Hey everybody, welcome out to another fun-filled episode of Burnt Popcorn. I'm your co-host Mike Laidman, and I'm joined with none other than... Laura Laidman. Each and every week we take a movie from our past and see if it's just nostalgia keeping our high-praise classic films afloat, or if it really is the real deal and worthy of all the adulation. How are you doing, honey? Okay, how are you? Good. What's shaking? Not too much. Bacon? No. Well, that's what the... It rhymes. Faken. Faken. What's shaking, faking? I mean, we don't buy bacon. We buy fake bacon, though, sometimes. Sometimes. And then our child says it's his favorite, but then only eats like two bites of it. Yeah. But he's three. He is three, and nothing he says is true. (laughs) Makes any sense. (laughs) Or true. It's always Uh, lies. I know. Anyway. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're rolling in to uh, the start of the festive season. Yes, and we're still doing horror movies. <laughs> yeah, so what better than a Cronenberg body horror movie yes, to, bring to bring in, in the, the holiday, holiday season. spirit? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep, so this week we will take a look at The Fly, which originally hit theaters back in 1986. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yep, yeah, they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. Are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Help me. Please help me. So August 1986... On August 2nd, Saddam Hussein offers peace in an open letter to Iran. That went on a long, long Mm -hmm. time. August 16th, Madonna's True Blue album goes to number one for five weeks. Which one is that one? It's got got True Blue on it. (laughs) Does it? It literally is the name of one of the songs. It's True Blue. I don't know. Which one's True Blue? Uh, Hum a few bars. No. August 20th. Is Like a Virgin on it? No. Oh. I don't think so. I think Like a Virgin is on Like a Virgin. Is Material Girl on it? Maybe. I don't know. August 20th. Postal worker Patrick Sherrill. Sherrill? Sherrill. Shot 14 I fellow knew, workers. I knew. Dead in Edmond, Oklahoma, which led to the phrase going postal. Yep. Yep. To this day, people still... Yeah, he's going postal. He's going I'd postal. say younger people don't say it, but anybody like 35 plus, maybe 30, but 35 plus for sure knows going postal because their parents said it. 
It's true. Like that happened when I was one and you would have been two. Yeah. So obviously I wouldn't remember it. But yeah, no, I learned that from my parents. There was a video game called Postal that was about just going crazy and shooting people. Yeah, it's like an expression. He's going postal. Going postal. Yeah. I always saw it as a kid that Flanders getting mad about the lines at the post office Mm -hmm. had something to do with going postal. But no, not not as a kid. Not not now, obviously, but Flanders climbing the clock tower to take some pot shots at some people. That's a little more. No, that's postal. actually a that's a that's a different shooting. In the I States. know, I know, but I'm saying comparison. Him getting mad at the post office is not the same. August twenty eighth, the largest wrestling crowd in Canada, sixty nine thousand three hundred people at the Toronto Stadium. At the Toronto Stadium, this was at Toronto Stadium. Wow, yeah, it was eighty six. It would have been before the Sky Dome because mm. that was what the nineties. Yeah, the well. No, late eighties. Well, nineteen ninety was WrestleMania six, and that was at and that was at Skydo. Yeah. So either way, there you go. Yeah, it was like the largest wrestling crowd crowd ever up to that point. Up to that point, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, the big movie of July was another sci-fi horror film that we have covered, Aliens. Yeah. And that was number one for four weeks. And then right into another sci-fi horror classic, The Fly. Yeah. People in 1986 were really cool. I know, right? That was all cool movies. Yeah. People were loving the sci-fi horror. Like, when was the last time a sci-fi horror was never... When was the last time a big sci-fi horror movie came out? I can't remember the last time I saw, like, a sci-fi horror. That was, like, new... That was, like, big business. Yeah. What year did Jason X happen? That's, like... (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, I just trying to think. Like, I know there's a few horror movies with some sci-fi, but like more like Earthbound sci-fi. I guess closer to the fly sci-fi elements, like that Titan, Titan, oh, the French yeah, horror yeah, yeah. film. That's got some body horror sci-fi to it, and then Possessor, I would say, has got a bit of a sci-fi horror. And bend. then I guess if you count the the last two, really Scott. Alien franchise movies. Yeah, they're more they're more sci-fi, sci-fi than, than horror. horror. But even them, like especially the two that I mentioned, they're not number one of the box office yeah. sort of movies. They're like they're doing very well at like film festivals, but they're not. You're not going to see their one of them, like neither one of them is going to be top of the box office. Yeah, so. would you count any of like the Riddick movies as sci-fi horror? Because there's like monsters and stuff and spooks and stuff. yeah, pitch pitch black pitch versus, black yeah. was sci-fi horror. Yeah, would you did you see Riddick? No. I've seen Riddick. I, it's it's basically pitch black over again with different people. Uh-huh. I'd watch pitch black again. Yeah, it's good. But anyway, the fly was number one at premiered at seven million and held for two weeks. Nice. Yeah. it was beaten by Stand by Me at five million, and it's. Stand By Me's second week of release. Oh, I'm thinking of a different movie. No, this is, hey, kid, you want to see yeah, a dead yeah. body? I've I'm never thinking, seen it. I've never seen it either, but mm, I, I was- th- We should watch it. I was thinking of God, he's not supposed to get stung by bees or no, whatever no, it is. No, no, that's my girl. That's my girl. But that's you a similar- You can't see anything without his that's glasses? That's what it is. Yes, he can't see without his glasses. <laughs> I know I want to watch that movie again, but I know I'd cry so It'd be much. worse because you have a child now. Oh my God, I it would have be a beautiful blonde boy. It'd be a hundred times worse. He's probably going to need glasses. <laughs> and he won't be able to see anything without his glasses. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> but Podcast yeah, stand by done. Me. 
But stand by me, yes. Stand by me. The top movies of the year were Top Gun, which we've covered at yep. 176.7 million. Crocodile Dundee, which we've covered, which we covered at 174 million. And Platoon, which I don't think we're going to cover. No, I haven't seen it, haven't so seen we it can't either. really cover it. And 138.5 million. The Fly was 23rd overall at 40.4 million dollars. It's nice every so often when a movie that doesn't like isn't even in the top 20 is able to hit number one. Yeah, included on something like this. Yeah, yeah. Because it shows that it's not just like Titanic. You know oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. When we get into the Titanic days, it's going to be so... Because that's the thing. Like I, When I f- pick some of my movies, I go on to like Wikipedia and I look at what was number one at the box office. And 98 is a mess. 98 is a mess. And the Star Wars, when all, any of the Star Wars oh. movies are out, is a mess. So it's kind of like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I guess I should pay more attention to the, those time frames instead of just what's number one. Because, yeah. I mean... We talked about Star Wars already, but there's those special editions like those shouldn't count. No. Anything that was number two during that time period should be able to be yeah, wide for sure. open for, for going. And then anything that was number two during Titanic and and eventually when we get to Avatar times. Yeah. The first movie that tied it, tied it at the box office, I remember because I went and saw it. I made my parents was Man in the Iron Mask, which also had Leo in it. Takes Leo but to that- beat Leo. But that movie is where I discovered Jeremy Irons. Not the Lion King? Well, that's just his voice. Still Jeremy Irons. He's also in um, Die Hard, which is 93. You know what? I don't think I'd seen Die Hard until I was in my early teens. So the, the third one. Ah, I think it was 93 for the third one. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking there, it was 93 I, I because it was the third one. I definitely had seen it until a few years later. Yeah. So, yeah. I love Jeremy Irons. Jeremy's? Jeremy's iron. iron. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that is the box office for 1986 in August. How about that? Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't see this movie for the first time until I was much, I shouldn't say much older, but I was like, it was a teenager when I saw this movie. Yeah, same. And basically what happened was I, I had a bunch of friends who like they were more, they were into horror movies. And I hung out with them and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 horror movies, horror movies. I guess it's very similar to how you kept watching these horror movies with your 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 girlfriends. But the difference was, is at this point, I wasn't way too young to be watching these movies. I was (laughs) probably a decent age to be watching these movies. Yeah. And so I watched a lot of these movies for the first time through this group of friends. That's how I first saw any of the Evil Dead movies. It's how I first saw this movie. It's how I first saw the Nightmare on Elm Street movies was was through this and i remember we watched we were at the one guy's house and we had we had pizza and we watched this and the fly two back to back and i'd never oh. seen i'd never seen either of them before Stop and i watched both two. of them it's nowhere nowhere near as good i can't even remember if i liked it the only thing i can remember about it is that the they really ratchet up campy horror of it versus this movie mm. where like in this movie a perfect example of when the when the Brundlefly does his vomiting, uh, the acid vomiting onto people, and it's you know a slow, gross melting of yeah. them. The second one, he shoots it out of his mouth like it's a fire hose, and those people look like they're getting shot with like like a shotgun, like they explode immediately. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's very very different, very different. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. and and the fly is the hero instead of the villain. <laughs> Well, because it's he's the son. So, 
would we say Seth Brundle is a villain? Well, depending on your viewpoint. I'd I'd say he's not the villain. I wouldn't say he's an antagonist. Okay. Uh, I would say the villain in this movie is science gone wrong. Okay, yeah, but uh, but by the end of this movie, it's like, ah, get him, stop him. But get him, boys. There's, there's no point in the fly two where it's like that. In the fly two, you're to sympathize with the fly. But you're supposed to sympathize with him in this one too. But like, to, but be also horrified by him. Oh yeah, but like, there's like a government agency corporation. I can't remember who it is. That's like got him, and like the the people that he's shotgunning the the faces off of are like hired guns and stuff. So all bad people. And then he does the same thing to like some bad guy too at the end, like the guy who runs the corporation. I I think it's the corporation that is funding Jeff Goldblum's research in this movie. Makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I first saw it was a back-to-back marathon of this movie and that movie. And uh, they were very different movies. I can, I can see. Yeah. My mom showed me this movie. Really? I think my mom has a, my mom has a thing. My mom likes sci-fi movies. She always likes sci-fi movies. And I think she did show it to me when I was probably a little too young to get it. Maybe 11 or 12. It was probably on TV, so edited for television or something. But I remember I remember I watched this with my mom. She's like, oh, I loved this movie. And we watched it. And I was like, this movie's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's really the main thing I remember about it. She's the one who showed me this movie. It was wild. I definitely haven't seen it for probably, I know we watched it at our old apartment once. Yeah. And that was. Well, we haven't lived there at in the a old long apartment. time now. It was, we moved in Six 20, years? 2016, we moved out of that apartment. So minimum six years, five, almost six years. It had to be at least six because like we moved out in the first half of 2016. Yeah. Yeah, so I was to say, what, how's that math work? Because we lived in that house for five years. We lived in our apartment for five years. We lived in our house for five years. Now we're in a new house. And in... I don't really know. <laughs> it's probably not going to be. Moving is hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So yeah, I, I remember liking it. I remember being grossed out by it. I remember thinking it was neat. But like my mom always really had a thing for like sci-fi movies. Um, remember I watched a bit of alien with her a long time ago when that was on tv one time too i think my mom used to have pretty cool taste not anymore no just hudson and rex hudson and rex all day every day and ncis yeah no i saw a thing it was like a mock thing and it was it was it was rex and rex rex and rex (laughs) i was like mom would love this she would be all about that (sighs) so anyway Yeah. yeah no i just i remember it was weird and i liked it and it was one of my earliest not early earliest but one of it was my first jeff goldblum experience that wasn't jurassic park okay yeah and that might actually be why my mom watched this movie again was because we'd seen jurassic park and she was like oh yeah jeff goldblum <laughs> I just needed to be reminded about jeff goldblum yeah maybe she had a thing for him who knows yeah, who knows who knows i mean how could you not it's jeff goldblum there's a lot of shirtless jeff goldblum in this movie he's got sex appeal yeah and he gets jacked. And he was crazy too, especially like, like I saw him on, um, what was it? The, the the hot ones, I think. Oh yeah, okay. And I just remember thinking, oh my god, actually having a because like Jeff Goldblum as Jeff Goldblum in short snippets, it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. 
But I think if I had to actually sit down and have a conversation with him, I think I'd blow my brains out. <laughs> like, I'd be pulling the shotgun toward my head and be like, Gina, pull the trigger. Because, <laughs> like, he just goes. And I'm like, okay. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I remember about this movie as a kid. But I know I've seen it several times since because, yeah. like, it's a classic. Yeah, I saw it with those guys, and then I bought it myself a few, a few years later, and then I, I've watched it at least two or three times since. So. Yeah, because it's, it's got a lot of rewatchability, and I'm really glad it's a movie we covered because I watched it with a more critical eye mm-hmm. and noticed details that I never saw before. Like, for example, right near the beginning, he tells Gina Davis, well, I hate cars, I hate automobiles, I hate riding in automobiles and cars it's like well there you go there's his motivation for why he's created this exactly like yeah. just one throwaway line it's like oh this is the thing that's motivated all the all of this yeah he just really doesn't like being in cars he doesn't like transportation of the current day mm-hmm. yeah something i really like let's just start it right at the beginning of the movie yeah is that the movie starts like mid conversation yeah it just jumps it, right in it's right in there there's like, like no lead in yeah it just it's, happens it's not like in, in in any other movie you would have met gina davis and she would have been like, I want you to cover this party. Oh, well, I don't know if I want to go to this party. Come on, I'm going to send you. Like, that's how yeah. that's how the movie it's would like, have started. like, oh, you got deadlines and oh, yeah. you know. Like- and then maybe that's where you meet Seth Brundle. But this movie starts with them already at the party. They introduce themselves during the conversation, but they don't introduce themselves. Like, it's. It's the, the it's the conversation. It's mid conversation. Yeah. It's not like the movie starts with "Hi, I'm Seth. This is what I do." Hi, I'm you know uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember Gina Davis's character's name. Oh yeah, I have them just as uh, Seth and journalist, or just or Gina no, Davis. I have a uh, JG uh-huh. and GD uh-huh. in my notes. There's <laughs> well, only like what four characters in this movie? Basically, yeah. It's. There's a few people who show up for like one or two lines and that's it. But I think you've got Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, the editor. The editor, boyfriend guy. Ex-boyfriend. And then the girl at the bar. Yep. The doctor. The abortion doctor? Yeah. Yeah. He's an obstetrician. Sorry, I'm just trying to... There's more than one doctor in this movie. He's an obstetrician. Okay. (laughs) He's an OBGYN. Yes. Come on now. There's not just abortion doctors. I'm, I'm... Come on now. Okay. Come on now. Shall we continue? He went to school for a long time for that job, hun. It's calling. Uh-huh. Okay. Have some respect. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's just move on. Yeah. Like, and the baboons. And the baboons. Who, uh, who else is acting in this? It's probably only one baboon. Let's be real. I don't know. It's it, only, they're not going to cast two baboons when they only need to cast one. There's just saving money. It's possible. Baboon. <laughs> Stop saying baboon. Baboon. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it, it, it introduces like... It starts mid-conversation, but their conversation still manages to give you who they are. Like it's like you said, like you get the the line that he says where you're just reading your own notes and making yourself laugh. You get there's the a line, lot of notes about baboons. <laughs> Why? They're barely I was even very in the movie. interested in the baboons. Apparently. So like he he gives away his, you know, this is what I'm working on. I hate cars, blah, 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 blah. And she says, you know, I'm going to have interviews to do. I, I'm blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, she's a reporter. You know that they don't know. It's a science know. party. It's a science party. He talks about his invention and you talk. he talks about why he's doing it without really talking about why he's doing it. Yep. And 
he's able to basically get her interest enough to go back to his place with him yeah. and give up all the other interviews she's supposed to do while she's there. He's like, you won't need to talk to anybody else. Yeah. And he, it's like in doing so he cuts out like a third of the movie, which, which is fine. Like again, like I, it I think cuts it, out the fat. Yeah. I think it, it starts at a great spot and it, it really catches your attention right away because what other movies start like this? I know, right? I can't think of another movie. That it gets you have... like right away. You're like, wait, what's going on? You're yeah. like, you're in... paying attention because you are you're... not just getting, you're not, especially now. One of the things I like about doing this podcast is I can't just I have to pay attention because sometimes I'll pull up like the trivia, just be like, oh, I wonder. And like to, to make a note on some of the trivia, mm-hmm. which it's... in our next movie, I got a lot of trivia stuff about one thing. But oh, anyway. Okay. But no, so like in something like this, this is like pre, you've got your smartphone, but like if you're just sitting there on your smartphone and you look up literally in 10 seconds and go, wait, wait, I missed part of this conversation. It's like, no, you didn't. That's just how it starts. Yeah. But it it catches your attention right away. Mm -hmm. You know what else caught my attention right away? So we go back to Gina Davis' apartment. We go back to (laughs) baboons a lot, actually. But Uh we go back to Gina Davis' apartment. What is that giant red statue in her apartment? What statue? I didn't notice it. You didn't notice it? It's so weird. I it was, stands out like a giant red statue. I was so focused on the weird pillars that were randomly in her apartment. Yeah, her apartment was weird. Like I can see why she was into Jeff Brundle. Seth, Seth Brundle. Jeff Brundles. <laughs> and Jeff Brundleberg. <laughs> you've, you've, you've merged Jeff Goldblum and his character into it. Yeah. Fitting, considering the movie. Anyway. Her whole apartment is a mishmash. What was the statue of? I don't know. It was just red abstract statue art, and it was bizarre, and it might have been a candle holder or a plant stand or something. I don't know. It was so weird. I kept staring at it. That's Yeah, I don't know. How did you not notice it? I don't know. I, that's weird. It was so weird. It was so ugly. I was like, what set designer picked this? It was the <laughs> 80s. There was a lot of cocaine. I'm reminded of this documentary that I watched, and there's just randomly like this person talking, and standing behind them is a statue of like a naked woman, but it's like a really weird statue of a naked woman. And it's just like, why? Why is it there? Why did you choose to be interviewed in front of that statue? <laughs> I mean, and then there's always Trolley Cat and Nightmare. Trolley Cat and Nightmare is fantastic. Yeah. I I have no idea where that comes from, but I, I will always love Trolley Cat and Nightmare. Yeah. So... Again, very quickly, like he shows her very quickly, though, that like he's got a teleporter and then very quickly it rolls into he's teleporting baboons. Yep. Yep. And my first thought is, where did he get a baboon? And before I even have a chance to think about it, it's a dead baboon. It is a dead baboon. And I just think, why did he? Because, okay, I assume he's a scientist. Yes. He talks to Gene Davis about it. Like, he's like, oh, I'm not smart. I come up with designs and people build it and blah, blah, blah. It's like the people I'm, you know, I'm project manager kind of thing yeah i'm like okay so he's being funded as we talked about by probably a big entity he yes. does not have the money to do this himself he's being funded fair i'm sure someone like jeff bezos would pay out the ass for something like this because it cuts out the human aspect of amazon yeah that was one thing that cuts out logistics well it, it was something that happens is so the baboon thing happens he kills the baboon and he's like, damn it, this will never work. And I'm like, are you serious, though? This would still be fantastic for shipping. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, like, it I would know change the reason- shipping overnight. There wouldn't be any more overnight shipping. Well, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Like I said, Jeff Bezos paying out the ass for this. No. You know what he would do? He'd be like, okay, I'm just going to steal it and then do it his own way. He'd make his own teleporter, you like, think? 
Amazon Pay and everything else they copy from everybody else. Anyway, anyway, listen to our podcast and Apple or Amazon podcast yeah, and Apple where, podcast. Wherever, and, yeah. yeah, wherever you listen to your podcast. Wherever you listen to your podcast. But anyway, no, like he's like got like corporate money. That's one thing. You think if he's testing this on living creatures, which okay, movie wise and blah blah blah. Why go right to baboon? And we keep saying baboon, but it's baboon. Yeah. Baboon. But baboon is funnier. <laughs> baboon. <laughs> um, why not start with a mouse or cricket? Just anything living. I, I mean, well, to be fair, okay, think about it. He is buying this baboon or renting it or whatever, wherever you get baboons from. Baboon is from the, the, the baboon lab. Because where does he get? Cause, baboon surplus store. Well, no, like they have, which is unfortunate, like scientific testing animals. Yeah. Which is terrible. But you'd think. If you're going to the company that provides these animals, you'd be like, okay, so our starting model is the the standard white mouse, five bucks, not even two bucks. It's 1980, a dollar a mouse. Then we got our, our rats, two bucks, rabbits, five bucks. You know, like going up the chain of like cost of these animals for testing. Dogs, it tends to be mouse, rat, rabbit, cat, dog ape you think because you haven't tested this on a living creature before you'd start at the dollar option <laughs> you think like he's got to be reporting his expenses to the company paying for this and like the accountant i can imagine being like so seth brundle has he's some- quite the red line on monkeys yeah <laughs> a baboon is not a monkey apes sorry it dead apes ape. But the thing, like you'd see, like the accounting department be like, okay, how much have we invested in uh, Seth Brundle's teleportation device? Shows promise. How much have we invested so far? It's like, well, you know, we're at one point five million, but he somehow spent a hundred thousand of that on baboons. Oh, hundred thousand on baboons. Well, how much did he spend on mice? Nothing. Straight to baboon. <laughs> I think. I think you're. I think the reason he went with with baboons it's because more closely related to human i get it but his whole thing is he's like he tells gina davis he hasn't tested on living creatures living creatures are different the computer doesn't get it blah blah blah. start small Mm -hmm. a mouse is still a living creature again not that i condone the testing but i understand who else are you going to test it on the homeless no (laughs) (laughs) you kind of have to do like animal testing of some point why not start with a dead animal and see if you can figure that out before you start with a living animal to be fair, we have seen that he seems to have hyperfixation impulse control issues because he goes right from like, well, it worked on the baboon. My turn. After he kills the first baboon. Yeah, but. The, and how many baboons did we not see him kill? He, I Well, he said that he hasn't done. Okay, so. <laughs> No, no, we're, this, we're talking way too much about baboons here. Like we're our focus. We are hyper focused on the baboons for too long. I think long my here. notes mentioned baboons six or seven times. But Jesus, hon. I was very invested in the baboons. He, I noticed he says that he does not, he's not tested on animals before. He kills a baboon. I believe he mentions the other baboon at one point. You think? Yeah. He mentions oh. that there's two baboons at one point. So he just off the hop expected the first one to die. How did he pick which one? He probably just picked a baboon, hun. It's, it's any science any, is miny mo catch a baboon. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, no. So he it was probably just the two baboons, and 
in this version of the movie, you only get to see the one baboon. What happens to the one baboon? Because the other one. It gets turned inside out. In it, yeah. Well, one gets turned inside out, but the other one gets merged into a cat in a deleted scene. What? I told you about this. No. Yes. There's a deleted scene that they actually screened and they took out of the movie because it made Seth completely irredeemable because in trying to figure out how to unmerge himself from the fly, he merged the last baboon with a cat and it came out as a monster and he beat it to death with a pipe. Oh, yes. You did tell me those. Yes. And they took it out of the movie because people were like, well, he beat a cat monkey to death it's an ape <laughs> either way when when you beat a cat ape to death with a lead pipe you suddenly lose all uh, see sympathy. i'm telling you they didn't want him to be the villain right but later on he starts trying to merge three people together to become a one master fly man yeah <laughs> so but but yes yeah, so uh, let's talk about anything besides baboons shall we yeah also my first guess was like, oh, this poor baboon, after he puts it through the thing, is he just going to dissect it? But then we see the baboon later. So he didn't, which I thought was pretty nice of him to not just dissect it. Yeah. Well, he said he was going to send it to the lab to get checked out. So who knows? Maybe they were going to dissect it. Yeah. But he it appears it he got the and... baboon back. What do you mean? Well, if he sent it out for testing, he got it back. He didn't. He didn't send it out for testing. Oh, either way, that's probably good for the baboon. He sent the he sent the banana. The ban- Do you think banana. he ate that baboon once he became a fly? I don't know. No, hun. He freaking beat the baboon to death with a merged cat. Yeah, but that got you're cut. making up. That got cut. It doesn't matter. We are still talking about baboons. It's been like ten minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> are we still talking about baboons? So. <laughs> Obviously, he and Gina Davis hitting it off, blah, blah, blah. Yes. They start sleeping together. Uh, and and, and I just... he figures out, he figures out something with it right after they have sex. This is the hyperfixation. Yeah. And he's like, I got an idea. And I mean, she's like, what the hell? And he goes and he puts a steak through it, which is what he should have done in the first place and gets her to eat it. And she's like, oh, it tastes synthetic. And he's like, oh, yeah, the computer can't figure out. It's the, the flesh. It can't figure out. The yeah, flesh. because she has like a weird. A weird monologue about the flesh. Yeah. There's a, flesh is said a lot of times in this movie in very uncomfortable flesh. ways. Also uncomfortable, the scene where they start making out and their eyes are both wide open. Yeah. That was weird. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and like, so he figures out, like I said, we put the other baboon through because he's like, oh, the computer, blah, blah, blah. And he recodes it and kajiggers it. And then he gets, they're like drinking to celebrate and he's like, I'm going to do it because she leaves. She leaves and he, she's like, she leaves and she'll be like, I'll be back. And he gets all like sort of jealous. He gets jealous that he, she's going to be with the ex and, and he's drunk and he's drunk. And so and he's he does like, something impulsive. And then he goes in the tube. Now here's my thing. Uh huh. So we see Peter breaks him down, puts him in the other yeah, with the fly. Yes. Reassembles with the fly DNA. First of all, I have seen this movie at least five times. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm like, don't do it. Don't go in the pod. Don't go in the pod. Don't go in the pod. Don't do it. Don't. Oh. <laughs> Every time. I hate to tell you, honey, he went in the pod. I know. Because if he didn't, I mean, that's the end of the movie. That's true. Of course, but, the movie instead is about like, hey, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. were no problems until there were problems. So here's the thing. I started thinking about the teleportation and the issue of the fly DNA. Yes. What if for lunch you had hamburger and then you get reassembled? Do you have cow DNA in you now? 
So what, you're saying teleportation should only be able to happen on an empty stomach? Not just an empty stomach. There's still the DNA in your intestines and your poop. You'd have to get a full colonic. <laughs> if you get teleported, does it put your poop back in your body? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, what about if you had to pee? Like, I... <laughs> what happens to that stuff? Uh-huh. Like, he was full of beer. Is he going to be part wheat? I'm sure. Well, it was champagne or something, wasn't it? Is he part grape? I... Maybe this is why we haven't cracked teleportation is because we can't figure out how to not reassemble your poop in your body. (laughs) (laughs) But think about it. Like I started thinking it's like there's DNA. It's a building block of life, Mr. DNA. Mm -hmm. And like it doesn't quite line up if there's other like that's the, the issue is the merging of the DNA. So if a computer can't figure out the difference between a fly and a human and reassembles them and it's confused, what does it do if there's food in your stomach? What if it does if what about someone who's like got an organ transplant? Like there's too many questions. There's too many questions. Like it's a fact that it, teleportation is impossible of at least a living being. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just 3D printing while you destroy the original. Yeah, that's really it. Any way you slice it, teleportation is destroying the original and producing a copy. Now, here's a question. Uh huh. If you could teleport anywhere, mm-hmm. but it is that the you that is you is destroyed, but the you that is created at the other end of the teleporting tube is an exact copy of you with all your member mem- members, you're all your members, memories, everything, all your poo, personality, <laughs> all your poop, <laughs> the hamburger you had for lunch. Uh-huh. Would you do it? Do you think you'd still be you, even though you're? It's almost like it's the, the ship. I can't remember the name of the ship. It's the the metaphor of the ship. If you if you replace it piece by piece, by the time you eventually run out of pieces, is it still the original ship? Can you still call it the same ship? Well, it's the same thing. And there's the I heard it when I was in university. My one professor, I, I took a lot of uh, religious studies and he was discussing Buddhism and reincarnation in Buddhism is like darning a sock. Mm-hmm. And if you darn a sock, a white sock with black thread, how long until it's completely new sock, but you wouldn't have the new sock without the original white sock. Mm-hmm. And that's reincarnation. This is way more. So, like- so me personally, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. Okay. But I read a great book a few years ago called Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom. And it's become like a a common sort of idea for a lot of sci-fi stuff. This isn't a new idea, but this is the one that really stuck with me where it's you're basically immortal because you're constantly backing up your memories in your brain. Mm -hmm. So if your body dies, they can just put your memories in a new body Mm -hmm. that is essentially you. So it is you, but it's not you. I do that because that way it's like, well, crap. I mean, now I'm immortal. Well, that unquote. way, that way it's like, well, if like, you know, something happened, at least I know that like, in some way I'm still alive and like, I live on to an extent. Mm-hmm. Teleportation though is optional and I don't think I'm on board. I, I don't think I'd do it. Okay. You? And you could literally go anywhere in the universe with teleportation. I don't know. You could say I, I'd have to be where, where was I going? That's the thing. Have you ever read The Jaunt by Stephen King? At some point in this podcast about the movie The Fly, we should talk about the movie The Fly. We have been. The <laughs> Jaunt by Stephen King is a great short story that really has a different approach to the teleportation problem, too. Uh-huh. 
Anyway. Okay, so read, read the jaunt so that we don't have to explain it to you. It's really good. It's really good. It's not scary. It's just, it's it's sci-fi horror. It's good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of horror, he first starts to exhibit his fly behaviors. And one of the things I wrote down was the scene where he basically discovers that he's like suddenly got super strength and everything. I, I really But it's enjoyed- like bit by bit. Well, yeah, but like- Which it, I like. But it's the scene, it's the scene when he wakes up after like sex and he starts doing like gymnastics and stuff. Yeah. And what I really like about that scene is there's no music accompanying it. And it gives the entire scene this very, very eerie. Uneasy. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like the, the, there's no music there to tell you how you should feel. You just feel how you feel watching it. And you can either feel amazed by it. Or you can be uncomfortable. And that's how I felt watching it was uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like, ooh. And he thinks something about being teleported was basically like it cured what ails you. Right? Yeah. He, he he even mentions at one point that he is purified. Yeah. So. Mm, no. No, you got fly powers, buddy. Yeah. Before it starts breaking your body down. Yeah. Which is. <laughs> <laughs> It is just it, there are scenes in this movie where he starts pulling himself apart where like it's just like it's so uncomfortable. It's so well done. But like, holy moly, like when he's pulling out his teeth and his fingernails and at one point, like he's like he tugs on his ear and it just comes off and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, and he kind of holds it up like and Gina Davis is like, ah! or what was it? He throws up and he's like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> yeah. It's like surprise. Yeah. Like she gives like there's donuts and yeah. he's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oops. Yeah. But before we get to that, he thinks that like, oh, no, I've been purified and I need you to go through it with me so that we can be the perfect duo that never runs out of energy and never and we can have sex all the time. Yeah. Because they're like boning constantly. And, and she's, she's like, like, I can't, I can't do up. this. Yeah. I can't. And. And then, so he's like, I'm going to go find someone who will be the ultimate sex lady. Oh, no. And then they go to that bar and he starts arm wrestling. Ugh. And oh, that that scene. And then the girl this, was like, this is the guy I will go home with. I know. He seems safe. This is the, that dude just broke that dude's arm like in half. And she's not like she's reluctant like, yep. to go or anything. She's not like, oh my God, I have no choice. He's going to hurt me if I don't. Yeah. She's like. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, not a lot of respect for the ladies in this movie. <laughs> but yeah, that the the scene where he he breaks the dude's arm. Oh, I, even it is body horror. I know it's coming, and I still get uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, because you see it. Yeah, and it's like yeah, and and then they like focus on it, and it's all like the bone hanging. Yeah, out and it's yeah. not fun. It's no. like with all the stuff that happens in this movie, with like all like his his fingernails popping out and his teeth popping out and he's like eventually when he transforms into the brundlefly monster like at the end his eyes like are pushed out of his skull and yeah. like he's got new eyes underneath yeah which i always eyes. which i always i always wondered the logistics of that like did he just have new eyes growing behind his his old eyes yeah, like, I don't know. but anyway that stuff grosses me out less than the dude breaking his arm like yeah but yeah. like and that's the thing too like at that point, that's when you really start to see he's starting to not be. He's still super strong. Like he's like climbing on ceilings and crap, but like he's not super looking good. He's, yeah, his his skin is getting very blotchy and mm-hmm. acne, and like he's he's starting to look real. Ugh. And like 
Gia Davis, despite all of this, is still trying to help him. And she, because at first, it very much makes you think, okay, you don't like her ex-boyfriend. And he he is a, he's a schmarmy 80s businessman. Yeah. Like, that is his cliche. That's who he is. He Got is that suspenders on, listening to the safety dance. Yeah. And he's he's like, Hans, Bubby. Yeah, basically, right? Yeah. like He that's, might as well be the same guy. Like, he literally, beard and all. Yeah. He's bearded businessman i'm your white knight Ugh. Ugh. oh oh i just oh it's so cringy you know what's funny about that whole scene is like this is a funny diehard moment more than it have anything to do with this movie but they bring him a coke and there's that moment of realization that that's not what he asked for <laughs> anyway back to this movie so anyway yeah so he becomes as the movie goes on and it's funny there is like that that trade because like at the beginning of the movie it's like you know seth is the better guy mm-hmm. he's like he's a scientist and in pursuit of science and gina davis is always obviously really into him and you know fascinated by him and the editor is like oh he's a bad guy we don't like him he's not supportive he's not cool and then as the movie goes on, they reach across and then they trade places. Yeah. And that you're like, oh, Brundlefly, he's not good. He's sleeping with other chicks. And, you know, he's obviously becoming a Brundlefly. And meanwhile, <laughs> the editor, like Gina Davis, realized she's she's pregnant, which is really, to me, the scariest part of the movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, the idea of, like, you don't know what's growing inside you. Yeah. That's horrifying i don't know about you maybe it might not be the same for you because you're not a woman oh no i understand like i don't understand to the degree but i mean i've had someone growing inside you've had someone you've had someone growing inside (laughs) that's weird and i remember there was a period of time when we didn't know what was going on in there and it was a very tense time yeah and And that was even then we knew at least it was human yeah this is a 50 50 shot you might have a grub in there she goes to the editor and she's like the editor X and she's like, and he's, she's like, I got to get this thing out of me. I got to get it out right now. I got, I have to have an abortion now. And he's like, all right, I know a guy. Yeah. And like, he is there for her and he takes her to the doctor and like, he's, he's with her the whole step. Like he goes, he's like, he's going to Brundle jumps through the window at the hospital, kidnaps her from right then and there. And he's like, somehow like, he's like, he sees this and he's like, I'm going to go help her. You better go and get like my he, rifle. <laughs> well, and he goes and like, he, he could have been like, well, she's on her own. I'm a schmarmy 80s business guy. Only looking out for number one. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, no, how does he, this help me? He, he, yeah. He's not like, oh, this isn't going to help my stock prices. So I don't care. You yeah. know, like he's, he goes to help. And like, at the end of the movie, you wouldn't expect him to be like that. But he, he becomes a much more sympathetic character as the movie goes on. And yeah. it's, which has an amazing payoff uh, when that dude loses his hand and his foot. Uh, oh God. That the foot thing, like the uh, hand, not so much, but the foot. Oh, cause it, it like burns through the leg in the middle. Yeah. I don't know what makes that so much worse it's, than this whole hand melting it, off. It's the slow like uh, of him, like playing with his foot and like peeling it back and like, yeah, no, I think that's uh, the foot is way worse than the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The foot and the the breaking of the arm in the arm wrestling contest are on the exact same level of uncomfortableness for me. 
but then like you also like we didn't even talk about like because when gina davis is like freaking out like she has a nightmare that this baby is going to be born as a pupa yeah which is like doesn't that basically happen in the sequel that the baby is born as a pupa and then like she dies of shock i i can't remember I, yeah that part but i do remember reading ages. something there's an alternate ending that the baby came out and it had like butterfly wings yeah I, i've i read that that's for this movie yeah there was an alternate ending with that but i re- only thing i can remember with the second one is that he it takes place like three years later and he ages up to being like a 30 yeah, year old i do like, i read about it yeah and she basically gives birth to like a fly and it, or a pupa or something and then she dies of shock because of it which mm. is like oh. um which as sucks. one would You'd at least be in an institution the rest of your life. Like yeah. that's a lot. That's a big ask. I mean, after everything else, after like She's watching going to need some therapy. After after watching the father of that baby melt into a friggin' fly monster. And then having to shoot at yourself in your head in the head. Yep. Cause like that's how it ends, right? Like he but that fake out with the baby because she her dream is like there's something wrong, there's something wrong, and goes to the hospital after yeah. they have her make her give birth to this pupa, and it's not what actually happens. So anyway. But he at the end, like there's still enough of the real Brundle in there that's like, oh my god, just shoot me. Yeah. Like the fly hasn't hasn't taken over completely, but ugh. and yeah. she blows his brains out. And you see him; it's just like, ooh, this yeah. movie is the, the effects of nonstop. That, yeah, the effects of the last sequence where he like fully like again like his eyes squish out the front of his head ooh. like his like down the center splits open. Yeah, yeah, like he. Well, it all starts when she pulls his jaw. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, God. There's. And then his legs break backwards so that he's got, he's got like fly legs. Fly legs. Yeah. I hate. There's a few movies out there where like they involve like a jaw getting ripped off, like The Grudge. Yeah. Um, Joyride. You see? Okay. I I don't think I've seen Joyride. Oh, Joyride is fun. Isn't it got Paul Walker in it? It does. And Steve's on and Lily Sobieski. Oh, well, there you go. It's fun. Um, but a guy gets his jaw ripped off and you you don't see it happen, but you see him in the hospital after where he's got like tubes coming out from his throat and no bottom jaw. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No, in this one, you straight up see it get pulled right off. Yeah. His head. And it doesn't just, it's not even like a like rip. It's like she touches it and it's just like crumbles away. Yeah. Like she's pushing his, she's trying to push him away. Yeah. Because he's like trying to drag them into the into the machine into together, the machine. and she just pushes it right off of his face. Ugh, gross. Yeah, it's a great time. And even then, with all that, I still feel bad for him because, like, man, man, gross. And I did read some stuff after where where Cronenberg was talking, and people were like, "Oh, it's a especially in nineteen eighty six, right?" It's like, "Oh, it's like an allegory, it's a metaphor for AIDS," and he's like, "Oh, just in just disease in general." But yeah, sure. Yeah. Because, like, you know, watching your own body, like, falling apart. And then the, he gets to the point where, like, he would do anything to fix it. Yep. Yeah. He, like, including hurt, murd, hurt people. And, hurt like, the woman he, he obviously cares And his cares unborn for. child. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, he he changes at one point. He's like, oh, I guess I'll go here and die. And then he finds out that, that she's pregnant. And he's like, oh. That's the last part of me that ever yeah. exists. So I got to make sure that sticks around. It's like, mm, no. Yeah, you're a freaking monster. Get out of here, Brundlefly. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then like she shoots him and that's kind of just where it ends. Yeah, it's it's like almost exactly like the opposite of the beginning where it it, it ends or begins at the end beginning of their conversation. And then 
ends at the end, end of their of conversation. The conversation. Basically, yeah, there, there's no follow up. Like there's, you know, in uh, any other movie, there'd be the ambulance, you know, like oh, a check in. Uh, she'd be talking to the guy at the ambulance or, or something like that, yeah. right? Like there'd be some cl- scene of closure, but yeah. to hear it just. You know, like the Boom. ambulance driver's like wrapping the blanket over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Or and something here, like just that. Like, or bang. she's like, oh, I'm going to go with him as they're taking the editor away. Yeah. No. No, just straight up. She blows that dude's brains out and it's over. Yep. And she cries and the credits start. Yeah. I like it. But there, this movie has no scenes in it that I could see cutting at all. Mm. Like every scene feels like it needs to be there. It There's no fat to this movie. Yeah. Zero percent body fat. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the things that Brundle talks about is like, he's like, I got like no body fat and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I'm sure that was just a line in the movie and not like, and we'll have no body fat in this no, movie. No, I know. But like, yeah. it's, you know. It's interesting. Interesting. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's what we thought about this movie. But critics back in 1986 had their own thoughts. So, Laura, why don't you fill us in on some past reviews? Okay. So, this movie has a 93% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 83% audience score, which I can see because I can see a certain subset of, like, normies just being like, this movie is too much. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Normies. Carrie Rickey of the Philadelphia Inquirer said, wildly imaginative, gut-wrenchingly scarifying, and profoundly primal. And not to mention funny. David Cronenberg's The Fly is a movie that whacks you in the solar plexus and leaves you gasping. Mm. Pat Graham of the Chicago Reader said, Image so much subverts intention that Jeff Goldblum's tragic fly person finally seems more ludicrous than affecting, voyeuristically bizarre. Mm. Yeah, frowny face. I couldn't find an Ebert review. So we went with Gene Siskel. That's two weeks in a row we've had no Ebert. Chicago Tribune, as slimy and as grotesque as some of its special effects become, the fly is far superior horror film to the top grossing film in America of late, Aliens. What? I mean, to be fair, it is a much better horror movie than Aliens. Yeah. A much better horror movie. Yeah, but he liked it better than Aliens. Mm. So there you go. It won the Best Makeup Oscar. I'm not shocked. The makeup effects in this movie are ridiculous. <laughs> it won the Saturns for Best Horror, Best Actor, and Best Makeup. And was nominated for Best Actress, Director, and Music. Yeah, there's some good music in there, too. Yeah, yeah. music was lovely. So there you go. There you go. That is The Fly. The Fly. Well, what did we think of it? We, well, despite the fact that we spent most of our podcast talking about baboons and the theories of how much poop would be spread throughout your body during a teleportation, <laughs> I I love this movie. It is still a double butter for me. I, I knew going into it that I'd be a big, you know, I, I'd still enjoy this movie. It's it's still very tense. Like the like I said, the scene where where he's doing the gymnastics, it's it's yeah, it's it it without the music, it lets you you pick how you feel. And it's not like I, I didn't feel bored and I didn't feel blah, blah, blah. And even though I've seen this movie before, I, it still makes me feel uncomfortable. And yes. the fact that a movie after I've seen it quite a few times can still you know, give you those sort of sensations, those feelings of unease. And even though, you know, it's exactly what you said with, with him going into the thing, like, you know, he's going in there. The rest of the movie doesn't happen unless he goes in there, but you still have this like, don't go in there. Don't do it. Like that's the mark of, of a good film is that 
it can make that you have those kind of feelings and and it it holds up i mean yeah there's some weird 80sness oh, here yeah. and there but yeah. like whatever like it that what what movie is is perfect in those sense you know for sure for yeah, sure no double butter for me for sure uh, i'm gonna give it a double baboon a do- <laughs> get the fuck out <laughs> No, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Like I said, I've seen this movie a bunch of times and it it holds up fantastically. I would recommend it to any sci-fi fan, any horror fan, any person looking for something different, something tense, something like that is going to hold your interest for the full run of the movie. If you haven't seen this movie, what are you doing? It's such a good movie. And it's one of those movies where it's like, I love this movie. It's a great movie. I never get sick of watching it. When someone asks me, like, oh, what's, what are your favorite movies? I never think to put it in the list. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And also, it gifted us with the line, be afraid. Be very afraid. Did it really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's where that comes from. It's from this movie. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that will do it for this week's episode of Burnt Popcorn. Next week, we will be taking a look at... We're going to finally visit a James Bond film. Oh, really? But is it going to be a Lazenby, a Connery, a Moore, a Dalton? No, it's going to be a Brosnan. Oh, which one? Which one? Well, of course, we're going to Goldeneye. Of course. I've I I got to start at the beginning. I've been. Of I've that been, guy. Of that guy. <laughs> I, I have actually been. Goldeneye's been pretty close to the top of my list for a while. So that's. I'm on board. I'm totally on board. Yeah. I remember we watched it. A few years ago. Yeah. I think it was another back of the apartment movie. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I can't really remember if I was that thrilled by it at the time. Okay. Well, let's see how, if it, if it holds up. Right. Or, so or I'm very interested to go back and rewatch it with a more critical eye mm-hmm. to see if I still feel the same. Okay. All right. Well, look forward to that movie next week. But for this episode of Burnt Popcorn, I am Mike. And I'm Laura. And we'll talk to you again. As soon.